welcome to the Splatterhouse Podcast. We're your hosts, Ryan and Sean. And today we're going to be discussing possibly one of my absolute favorite uh, pseudo-documentary, cinema verite um, horror movies. Uh, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. But first, as always, Sean, how you been, man? All right. I just want to point out right now that um, every month we we switch back and forth picking the movies that we talk about. And I'm like, Hey, do you want to talk about the land before time? And Ryan's like, no, fuck that. I want to talk about Henry portrait of a serial killer. Cause I just want to put you through hell while you're trying to watch this stuff at work. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So- I, I'm, I'm good. It, it's six o'clock in the morning here where, when we're recording where I'm at and it just, I'm just waking up. So in about an hour, you'll hear me pick right up. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh nine twenty one in the morning here where I'm at, so I got a little bit more sleep than Sean, I would imagine. Even though yeah. it is sa- daylight savings too. Yeah, f- <clears throat> fuck, fuck the daylight savings. I-, I thought they were getting rid of this shit. Is this the last one? I don't know what they're doing. They go back and forth about this crap all the time. It's the stupidest thing. Whoever my congressman is, because I know that he's a steady listener to this podcast. Please get rid of this shit. <laughs> uh so have you got anything recently man any cool stuff to talk about yeah so um the first thing i want to talk about is the wonderful 4k of the texas chainsaw massacre did you get yours yet so here's the thing i ordered that but when i ordered that i didn't get the steel book i just got the standard edition with the slip um what what it was it was it- cheaper it's five dollars, you tight ass. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, but go ahead. Yeah, so well, and I was kind of like everyone was getting that, and I was like, "Well, I didn't know it had the Jason Edmiston like Sean number one in search of poster of all time." That you know, as your, I think it's a slip cover. But yep. um, I did watch the movie. Um, it looks amazing. I don't know if it should, but it does. It's one of those movies that I wish that they would just put like a grindhouse cut on here, you know, let Robert Rodriguez get a hold of it and do some stuff with it. Yeah, but, like a despecialization version or something yeah, would be look, awesome. Um Gary Poland and I were when we first started talking, we were talking about the movie and it like I think I think he's the one who told me he saw it like in black and white for the first time he saw it. And like I wish that they would put, you know, like the those two versions with it and everything and um the thing's loaded with special features. It mm. has the shocking truth on it again, which like I guess they own now and are putting on everything that they ever do with it. So yeah, it looks great if you're a fan of the film. Like it's probably one of those must haves. I don't know about the other one that's coming out. Um, I didn't order it because I've dropped more money on this movie I think than any other horror movie now. So I think so. This will be the fourth or fifth time I've bought that movie. <laughs> I have, um, I shit. I have DVDs, Blu-rays still. Now I've got 4Ks. I even have a VHS of it of my original copy yet. So, Jeez. yeah, it's getting bad. So I was gonna have that right now, but the problem was, see, I ordered it through this one place, and um, I ordered that Martin 4K at the exact same time, and then 
because the way they ship, they don't ship everything until it's in hand and ready to go. And I'm thinking, well, they're shipping like three days separately. Well, then Martin got delayed a whole month, and I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, so, I had to go. I had to go buy that Martin now. Like after you and I were talking about it, so I was like, shit. Most yeah. expensive movie I've ever I've ever bought like one film before. Hmm. So, speaking of Gary, I got. Hitman Heart, Wrestling with Shadows, with this lovely slip that was uh, done by, uh, the artwork was done by Gary on this. Um, amazing documentary, kind of goes over the Montreal Screwjob and everything leading up to that. And um, kind of shows really how big of a jerk Vince McMahon is. <laughs> I mean, if you already didn't know, but I mean, it really sheds more of a light on him than I wouldn't have thought. Which I you know, think I'd seen that years ago, but yeah, I don't recall. I, I saw it. I've n- I've never seen. I mean, you can tell that Vince McMahon is a jerk, like far away. Like if I saw him at the mall or something, like that guy looks like an asshole. So, yeah, but I, I've never been a Bret Hart fan though either. So when I saw, oh him, really? I was like, yeah, yeah. He he talked I mean, a I lot like of Bret. shit. Yeah. So. Is it my turn, um, or are you done with that yeah. one? Or what? Yeah, so, I'm done with that one. From Terrorvision Records, who's been going crazy on the cassette game and everything, I normally mm-hmm. I only own two cassettes that aren't ones that I did. So they put out My Bloody Valentine um, that I got, and it's on. it has the original art and everything, and then it is a see-through red cassette, which is, I found, harder to read than, I, than it should have been, but yeah it's got some alternate artwork and stuff on the inside and everything and it has like a red case and everything but it's got the same track list that waxwork did and everything it's just i think he wanted to make sure that it got put out on cassette because it had never been out before so Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's like twelve dollars not bad so for my last thing um this recently was sold out like everywhere. I tried to find it. And then all of a sudden vinegar syndrome, when they did their, um, March titles that came out this month, um, they dropped some more copies of this, uh, Stuart Gordon's, uh, from beyond on 4k. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that thing like going for like tons of cash? Well, with the slip. Yes, it is. Why? Um, because people are stupid about cardboard. I, I didn't like the movie. <laughs> So, really? I yeah. love From Beyond. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Maybe we'll cover it one day and I'll watch it and it'll be under a new light. But yeah, I just, I've never really liked that movie, I guess. So, hmm. I got one more that um, I bought the, what's this by? Severn Films. I actually forked up the money and got the Violent Street. Ah, uh, the Violent Streets. Yeah. Um, it is the Umberto Lenzi, Tomas Milian, or M- I don't know how to say his name. He's been in a lot of westerns that I've watched. The guy's a great actor, but they did like these Italian police movies together in the seventies. Which, for a lot of people that don't know, in Italy they didn't have cable, and a lot of people didn't have most people didn't have TV, so they would fire out new movies every week. And people, that's how people enjoyed a lot of their. Um, TV and movie time was they had to go to the theater. So they would pump out like a ton of films in the 70s, 60s and 70s. 
And this is all those 70s police movies that were really popular after the spaghetti westerns. And the box set includes uh, almost human, syndicate, sadist, free hand for a tough cop, the cynic, the rat, and the fist, and brothers till we die. And the set is absolutely gorgeous. You open it and it's got the like soundtracks for I think four of the five movies that have most of them have never been released before, like on CD or vinyl or anything like that. So five restored classic films, four remastered soundtracks, and 10 plus hours of special features. And the movies, I guess, are absolutely insane because half of them were filmed and they don't have they don't have permission to do it. They're doing stunts with the real actors in the cars and shit. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching those. I just haven't had a chance. It's been here for like a month and I haven't even... I've opened it once to look at it and I'm all excited about it, but I don't have enough time in the day. Yeah. Especially like trying to watch all those movies at once. Yeah. Like it's going to be, well, that I've got like, I got a 4k player for Christmas and like, I have all these 4ks that have, you know, slowly trickled in and it's like, I don't even have time to watch them because if I'm watching something that the wife doesn't want to watch, she sits next to me and does color commentary through the whole thing. And then it's like having fucking John Madden <laughs> with Jerry Lawler there. You know, the other night I threw the chainsaw and she's like, we're watching this again. I'm like, when we haven't watched this in like three years. No, we just watched this. I was like, it's been three years. And then she talked shit through the whole thing. God, this looks so crystal clear. She's just talking shit. Well, I'm like, you don't say anything about Toby Hooper's movies. Okay. Um, your uh, fiance do that, sit and talk shit through movies? Uh, no. So typically what she'll do is she will sit there and either watch the movie, she's actually interested in it, and maybe she'll, like, throw some comments like, the hell's going on here? Like, what? You know, little things like that. Or she'll just be on, like, her Nintendo Switch just playing and occasionally looking up at the movie. My wife will crochet and talk shit about what's on screen and not even look up. We've been watching the last, the last of us, and like she's just like, this guy's a cannibal, he's a pedophile, all this, and I'm like, I don't remember any of that from the game. And then, sure shit, he is, and like, okay. So I'm curious. I'm curious. Then, what did your uh, do you ever show your wife this movie? So we were talking about it because I told her I'm like I had to watch that at work, and like it took me like uh-huh. two, two sittings to do it. And she's like, I know the movie, but I don't think I've seen it. And I'm like, probably good because she can watch anything, like none of it really bothers us anymore. Um, like the violence on the screen, like terrifier Two, She didn't even blink. Like she's, Oh, Oh wow. Oh, oh, oh look, he's got bleach. He's got bleach. <laughs> and, um, yeah, potatoes. yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't phase her. Like, and I doesn't phase me either. It's the tone of Henry that fucks with you afterwards. It's like, um, Oh yeah. And I'm going to compare it a couple times, probably to like clockwork orange during this, whole podcast where the first time I watched that it was like it sits with you into the next day where like I got off from work and like she's like what do you podcast what's the movie and I was I told her and she's like well I know the movie I just haven't seen it and I'm like probably good because it, it's fucked up like it's one of those movies it's just oh yeah it's like you know the next day you're like did he really have to put the bottle in the girl's mouth and you're like what the fuck so yeah yeah did he really have to you know, record this home invasion scene, which we'll get into that in a little bit, but like, oh, did he have like to wait his that, sister? Like, did he have to? <laughs> oh yeah. Talking about Otis. Yeah. Like you like watch the whole thing. I'm like, God. Oh, did he have to do what he did to this poor girl at the end that really liked him? Like, you know? Yeah. Well, 
we'll, we'll get into some of that too, because um, what, what we're going to be doing is we're going to talk about the movie, but then afterwards, I'm going to go over some facts about Henry Lee Lucas and also some, you know, differences between the movie and the real, you know, Henry Lee Lucas. Plug it in. Did you really kill your mama? What? Did you really kill your mama? I guess I did. She must have treated you real bad. She was a whore. Dance naked? Sure, all the time around the house. Otis. Best little naked dancer you ever saw. You never. You telling me you never killed anybody before? I ain't saying that. Open your eyes, Otis. Look at the world. It's either you or them. You know what I mean. Do that, Otis. She's your sister. I feel like I know you. Like, like I've known you for a long time. I feel like I've known you forever and ever. It's like the blood droppings from a deer you've shot. And all they gotta do is follow those droppings, and uh, pretty soon they're gonna find that deer. I ain't interrupting it, man. <laughs> see it again all right so the film was uh by john mcnaughton whose only other movie i've ever seen that he directed was wild things and i paused that movie a lot um (laughs) shot on 16 millimeter budget of one hundred and ten thousand dollars uh shot in 28 days in and around chicago uh, tons of family, friends, and coworkers as the background because I don't think they had permits for a lot of this stuff, and they no. And some of it was just legit people like are down the street that yeah, they record. But like every, all the little characters are all like friends, coworkers, family. Um, and uh, the funny thing about this is we just covered the Silent Night, Deadly Night here a couple months ago, and Siskel and Ebert like on the airs like naming everybody and everything. They liked this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like. It, uh, it makes me wonder if Henry was in a Santa Claus outfit the whole time, if they would have liked it. <laughs> um, obviously, it's based off the Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole. Uh, the bottle corpse that I already brought up, there's little snippets. And I guess I didn't realize it. I was looking at the waxwork, um, the waxwork release that, yes, that Ryan's holding up for all of you to see out there in Radioland. Um, if you look at track two, it's called... Um, what's the name of the track two? What is it? Dead body drone number one through number four. Okay. So at the beginning there's four, I, I didn't, I, I pieced this together last night. 
there's four like little shots of dead bodies. And then they do like a, it's like a voiceover of the killing, but you don't ever see the killing. And they did that due to budgetary mm-hmm. reasons. They had to get creative with it, but I never noticed that it's supposed to be a, like a drone flying, you know, like even though drones weren't a thing in 86, I, I didn't, I never correlated that, I guess until that's what it's supposed to be. And my last one is this movie was originally rated X due to the tone of the film. They, like they said that there's nothing you can cut that's going to get you an R rating. It just, unless you cut out everything. Um, and they'd said, you know, well, we'll cut out seconds of this or whatever, but it was just the tone and a lot of the, I mean, the film opens with like a girl laying in a stream or, you know, you got, you know, it's like four dead, dead girls right in a row. Um, yeah. Yeah, so what they did is there was two other films at the time that were going through this, and the X rating always meant that it was adult. And um, so they 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 came out with the NC-17 rating for these types of films that could still be shown in a theater around you, but you could get into it if you were, you know, not an adult or at least be shown, because if it was rated X, nobody would touch it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of led to all of that. When did you first see this? So, funny story. Um, Growing up, you know, being the criminal justice, you know, nerd and stuff that I was, um, out of all places, this was on Netflix. And it was, like, back in, like, 2008 or 9, I think. First time I ever saw it. Holy shit. Did you send away for the VHS of it or something and they sent it to you? No. Like, (laughs) this was on the streaming, like, service when Netflix, like, first started streaming movies, I think. Mm. Um yeah, this was back then, and it was fully uncut, if I'm not mistaken. Because mm. it was the Dark Sky uh, release on there that they came out with um, about that same time. But it's funny you mentioned VHS so recently, because this is, again, one of my favorite um, movies of all time. I was just scrolling through on eBay one day, and I was just like, I wonder if there's like really any like cool promo stuff. I mean, I imagine there's not a whole lot. I know, of course, there's like the one sheets out there, which those are really, really expensive. But I was like, I want to see if there's something kind of cool that may not be too expensive. And I came across this. Let me see if I can pull up the uh, details on it. So this guy, he's selling a screener copy of Henry Portrait Serial Killer, the VHS. This was like the screener copies that like yeah. – uh, video stores back in the day would yep. get and stuff. I used to and- get those. I had one for like Strangeland for years, and I actually had a screener copy of The Big Lebowski that I'd gotten while working there. That's awesome. Yeah. So this dude was selling it for like he originally listed it for thirty bucks, and I was like, or best offer, and I was like, I'll give you fifteen for it, and he just sold it. <laughs> I love when they do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Netflix of all places was the first time I ever saw that movie. And that was a movie I just kept watching again and again and again and again, even though it is got a messed up tone and everything. That's how you it's end just up. One of those that just, that's how you end up with a podcast later talking about violent movies because mine was natural born killers where I just, I watched it. I think in the summer, like 30 times I would have it on in the background because I thought it was amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, first, so the first time I didn't even, so I'm old enough when this came out that, 
the first time I heard about it was in guitar magazines. Um, Scott Ian of Anthrax was always wearing a Henry portrait of a serial killer shirt in the pictures. And like, you never heard anything about it. And then I like, I knew it was a movie because I had heard, I don't remember how, but um, my local Hollywood video finally, like they never had it in the horror section. Like one day I asked, like, do you guys have this? And they're like, well, we don't have an adult section, but we do have that movie. And I'm like, where the fuck is it? You have to ask for it. They didn't even have it out where you could rent it. It was deemed so violent that they had the, you had to like literally ask. And she's the girl's like, yeah, we rent this out like once every six months where someone will ask if we have it. And then, but she says, normally the, the videotape never comes back. So I had to put a deposit down to rent Henry portrait of a seal killer of $50 just to be able to see it for the first time. Yeah. So Jeez. that was the, I'd say like in 90, I was still in high school. I think probably 95 when I saw it. So yeah, that's crazy because literally for this 4k limited edition that I got from arrow, which that was a UK thing, but, um, I hate that I paid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I only paid like 45 for it. Yeah. But I mean, where it is 4K, it is region free. So I know, and then they, it's all cleaned up and shit. And this is like that Chainsaw Massacre. I don't think these movies were ever meant to be seen so clear that with the budget that they were shot on. I mean, to be honest with you, so the Dark Sky release of this, it was cleaned up, you know, compared to like the VHS tape and stuff. But kind of like with Chainsaw, it's more of like the color palette. If you watch like the 40th anniversary Blu-ray, the blues are really, really bright and mm-hmm. stuff. Like it's oversaturated with color. Yep. This and then like the Dark Sky release of Chainsaw, it's kind of, kind of neutralized it. Kind of brought those colors back down, but made it more sort of, I guess, like as if you were actually watching, like when it first came out and stuff. But kind of the same thing with this one. Just those colors aren't like oversaturated like they are. Yeah. The first thing when you hold, hold that up, it's like, I really, really wanted to see Otis's apartment in 4K. Like, you know, his dirty undies laying in the corner. Like, I just, you know. <laughs> so, that, that chainsaw one, man. Like, there's so much. I, I From someone that's come from, I never got to see it in, in theaters back in the day, obviously. But, like, from VHS. I think I saw it on beta, even at one point. But I've seen it through all these, wow. you know, and it's like all the detail and shit in that house. It's just, it keeps getting better. Like I'm waiting for the 3d one now. Like that's the only place that they can go and someone will, if they can make money off it, Dawn of the dead. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, so this movie for one, so we kind of started a little bit with the opening, but the beginning, just right as soon as even before the title comes on, it's you've like got that wonderful track, dead the girl, Henry theme. Yep. Which is great. Like with the with those drums, just that boom boom. Like, oh my gosh, like when you hear that, you're just like, What have I gotten myself into? Yep. Like as soon as you hear that. <laughs> and then you've got of course all those Dead Girls, uh, one of them which is actually loosely based on a supposed victim that was originally, they thought, was a victim of Henry Lee Lucas's uh, Orange Socks. Yeah. Because um, the woman is completely naked except for her socks. That's the only thing that she has. 
Um, the rest of them, of course, are just like fictitious ones that John McNaughton came up with. Which I think actually they use the same actress if you look close yeah. enough for two of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and like this, um, the, the way that this opened is what got them not really in trouble, but gave them problems trying to release the film because one of them it looks like she's like the whole side of the face is like got a beer bottle sticking out of it I, apparently he had stuck a beer bottle down her mouth when he was, it was a coke it. yeah and it was like just hugely controversial like even they would the um the people that bought the movie to distribute it were starting to cut it out and then images started to get cut out of the film you know by the people in the projection booth and everything so I mean, it barely even exists on film now. Like, it's really hard to find a print to be able to do that 4K. Mm-hmm. So. But then it goes on, and there you're introduced for the first time to Henry, who's played by the great Michael Roker. Um, I absolutely love him and just about anything he does. Roker. Roker. Stay with me, Tennessee. Roker. Okay. Roker. Well, sorry. Northeast Tennessee accent, my friend. I, I met him in somebody... Um, in front of me said how you did and he corrected him just like that he's like say it with me Ruker (laughs) (laughs) really really nice guy crazy as fuck but yeah (laughs) oh yeah I've heard he is kind of off the charts a bit (laughs) yeah but you're introduced to him Um, he's getting coffee at a diner and smoking a cigarette and whatnot and he's paying for his coffee and he's leaving and then it cuts back to like this flashback to where supposedly i guess he robbed like a grocery store or a pharmacy or something Mm -hmm. because there's people like there's one person laying over the counter dead there's one sticking out like where the end of the counter is just laying their face down on the ground you hear like all these gunshots going off and stuff people screaming Um, yeah yeah people screaming in the music and stuff and then it just shows him just driving this car, which, believe it or not, that was actually John McNaughton's car at the time uh, for that movie. Yeah, that's a real yeah. car. Yeah, it was like, I think, a 70s model, um, like Chevelle or something. It, it's a piece it of shit. Really like the, yeah. <laughs> if you're to, if yeah, someone like it's, if it, he was to park it in front of your car, you're like, how long is that going to be parked there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's got... Like the wheel wells are like just caved in, like where someone has just kicked the crap out of it or take a hammer to it. Yep. There's just rust all of it. It's just a dirty looking, nasty car. And it's just like ugly green, too. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, it was one of the colors that they used um, for like the advertising for wild things, too. <laughs> I noticed yeah. that while I was watching it. I'm like, which, so just as a side story about the wild things, my first VHS copy that I ever got of that, I bought. And I turned the movie on, you know, you pop it in and sometimes your player would start playing the movie and instantly goes right to the Denise Richards topless scene. So whoever had watched it before me had paused it right there and it ruined the movie for me. So, cause I knew what was going on. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I, I now I'm like, you know, an accessory after the fact of your masturbation. <laughs> God, <sighs> but Henry's driving along and he comes across this hitchhiker has a guitar and he stops and is like, Hey, you need a ride? Where are you going? It's like, Oh, I'm going to town. Okay. Hop on in. I'm heading that way. And that he drives off with her. And that's the last you ever see of this girl. Uh, then it cuts to, um, Becky who in this movie is, uh, 
Otis's or Otis, however you prefer to say his name, um, his sister in the movie. In actuality, however, Otis is Becky's uncle. And Becky at the time was a 15 year old who had like a, um, like impediment of some sort, like a learning disability or something. So she was kind of, you know, not all there herself. Um, but anyway, he picks her up. Otis does, um, they go back to Otis's apartment and that's where Becky is introduced to Henry in the movie. And Henry is holding a guitar that happens to look just like the one of the poor girl that he uh, picked up and possibly murdered. Well, more than likely, he definitely did. Yeah, there, <laughs> he didn't keep trophies. He gave them out as gifts. That's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the Becky character, like, she's not a bad actress. Like, I, I don't know. She mm-hmm. didn't do. Tracy Arnold's is yeah, good. She didn't do very much after this, but. Um, one of the things I noticed like this last time I was watching, if, if he could control the craziness, like he has chemistry with her on screen enough where it's believable that they could have had, you know, happy relationship and everything. But dude is so nuts that, you know, that, that was one of the things that like he stayed like um, Rooker stayed in character through the entire film. Even when he was off camera, he got so bad to be around that his wife found out that she was pregnant while they were filming and waited till they were done to tell him. So, I mean, he was, you know, pretty much off his rooker at the time when he was, when they were filming this. So, yeah, Yeah, he, uh, he went really method with this role, uh, from my understanding. And it was hard for him to kind of separate that from himself and um, you don't really see him doing that much on screen it's all off screen until the end of the film and then there's a little bit but the first what maybe hour until they get to the tv scene you really don't see him do a whole lot of well i guess the two hookers in the car is the first yeah, but that's where that's kind of where the screw starts to turn in the movie yeah but you also just hear that you know and then he the first one and then the second one you see but you know, like there's 45 minutes of him just driving around and eating, smoking, and you know, listening to Otis talk shit. So, yeah. Um, but another interesting thing since you brought up uh, Michael, um, whenever they were actually doing the casting for this movie, they were told to kind of by John McNaughton, all of them, um, Tom Towles as Otis and Tracy Arnold's as Becky. Go home, make yourself like your own like biography or just like, you know, describe how your character is. And what um, Michael did was he went home and he sat on a toilet in his apartment with a tape recorder and just recorded things that came to his mind and things that he had read about uh, the real Henry Lee Lucas and things like that. And that's how he developed his character for uh, the movie. Hmm. And that explains too the whole method acting for him. Yeah, he's really good in the movie. Um, dude commands the screen, and then I think the first thing I ever remember seeing him in was uh, Days of Thunder, which oh yeah, you know, he's really really good in that. He's playing you know opposite of fucking Tom Cruise. You're gonna have to be if you're gonna make the final cut, and he had a huge part in the movie. And but and then I was like, oh. Henry, that's the, the dude. So, and which he's been a lot of shit since. So, but oh yeah, everything from small screen to big screen and beyond. Yeah, 
And I noticed this last time when we were watching it, the like him and Becky are sitting, they have that table scene where they're talking back and forth about what's happened to them in their lives. And he's talking about killing his mother and his childhood stories about everything. And he can't even keep it straight in his own head or he's told so many lies about it because he's covering up what, because he had just gotten out of prison is part of the storyline too. Um, yeah. And that's where he met Otis, but I'm trying to figure out if he's trying to cover his tracks or if he's just that crazy or both. Um, because you find out later that he's all about personal survival. He doesn't care about anybody but himself and the survival of him yep. not getting caught and being able to keep up with this lifestyle. So, you know, I was, which well, that kind of does play into the real Henry a little bit. Yeah. Well, the whole like personal survival. Yeah. Well, Henry, the, I just watched that Netflix thing and we'll get into that later, like a couple of months ago. And then, you know, he's so full of shit that nobody knew what he did, what he didn't do. But this one, you're seeing it all. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's, maybe they threw that in there to, to harken back to the original Henry where you didn't know what the fuck he did because, you know. Right. Well, here's the thing with him too. So Henry Lee Lucas was apprehended June 11, 1983. <clears throat> the movie Henry Portrait Serial Killer came out in September 24th of 1986. Now, when Henry admitted that everything was a hoax and that, you know, he lied about everything. That wasn't until 1998. So hmm. you've got this over 12 year gap where at the time, the Texas Rangers, cause what, what they would do essentially is they would just give him little bits of information from the case. And then he'd basically be able to sit there and be like, Oh yeah, this is how I did it. This is blah, 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 blah. And that's how he confessed to like all these murders that he didn't even do. I mean, there was so many things about it, but again, we'll get into that in a minute, but it's just hard not to talk about the movie and also the real Henry Lee Lewis without, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, like the movie, they didn't have a whole lot of information when making this movie about Henry, other than the fact that, yeah, he was a drifter. He killed a bunch of people supposedly and. Otis and Becky, like that's that's literally all they knew, yeah. and that's all they went. Mc- off McNaughton of. saw a like sixty minutes on the two killers, and they were looking for mm-hmm. an idea to make a full length film. They were supposed to be doing a, they'd gotten the funding from independent people to do a documentary about Chicago wrestling in the fifties, and they had had this huge, like um like back tape catalog to be able to cut together, and the person that owned the catalog doubled their price after they got all the money. So they just said, fuck it. And they wrote a, uh, this movie and did this instead with the 110,000 or $100,000, yeah, yeah. which is good for us. Like, I want to find that guy and thank him because yeah, for real. another documentary about fifties wrestling wouldn't have been good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like wrestling, but, mm. but so after, um, Becky gets a job as a uh, as a shampoo girl. Um, she's wanting to bring her daughter out to Chicago. Um, Otis, he you find out works at a gas station and he's on a probation. He's meeting up with his parole officer every so often, but he's also selling weed to high schoolers and things like that. Um, Henry apparently goes around Touching and people. is a bug exterminator. Well, yeah, Otis does touch people because he's a pervert um 
and then Henry, he's going around just using this uh, bug spray to kill bugs and people's homes and things like that, which in a way, too, that kind of helps him set up possible victims of his because, I mean, he's learning, you know, like, oh, this is when they're home, this is when they're leaving, yada, 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 this is how many people's in the house, etc. And it helps him, you know, narrow down like, ooh, I can easily kill this one, I can easily kill that one, etc. Um but there's a scene where Henry is leaving like a grocery store and it kind of sets up this one scene later on in the movie. He follows this woman home to her house and sees, oh, there's a whole family. There's her and a guy. So there's a couple there, you know, just two people. That wouldn't be too hard to kill. Um, but anyway, going back to the hotel, the apartment where... Again, Becky has confessed kind of how he likes Henry, how she likes Henry and how Henry killed his mom and everything. Otis comes in and um, he's like, you want to go get a beer? Which that's another thing about this movie. I have never heard someone say the word beer or the word beer in a movie spoken so many times. Every time you hear the word beer, take you a drink <laughs> or take, drink down a beer. I mean, you will be messed up by the end of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's like they're they're like let's go kill someone. Yeah, I will. I'd like a beer as well. <laughs> Secret yeah. code. Yeah, you want a beer? Yeah, I want a beer. Um, but they go out and Henry and Otis they pick up two prostitutes and they're about to get on with them, but then all of a sudden, um, Henry <laughs> snaps the neck of one of in them in the backseat. Yeah. Otis is just like, yeah, and and Otis is just like, what the hell? And then the other prostitute freaks out and tries to get out of the car, and Henry grabs her and snaps her neck, too. Yeah. Like, it's no big deal. Like, he's done it before. And Otis is just freaked out because he's never, you know, done anything like that. And they just, Henry just jumps all the bodies, chucks the shoe um, over towards, like, where the dead body is, and they just drive off. And Otis is freaking out, like, what are we going to do when the cops find those bodies? Nothing. We ain't doing nothing. Yeah, well, the eighties they, they didn't even they didn't have you know unless you kept doing it like and, and Henry explains it later unless you are using the same mo every time that's how you get caught and back then that was that was true that's why they weren't catching a lot of these serial killers they kept they would you know be creatures of habit and keep doing the same shit and then that would eventually get caught because of mm -hmm. that and you know like he's pretty there's that scene where he's explaining all of this to Otis and what the fuck are they watching. Because they're videotaping a guy get so, mugged in a park, I think. Yeah, they are. They're basically, uh, Otis is recording a homeless man who is getting assaulted by two other homeless men. And they are kicking and beating the crap out of him and basically stealing, like, his booze and, like, whatever little cash he has. Yeah, I was, I, like, I'd forgotten about that scene in, like... Like I said, like I watch this stuff at work. So once in a while, people will come in and try to talk to me while I've got headphones on. I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Like, I'm trying to watch horror here. Goddamn on the clock. Would you leave me alone? You know? And yeah, I, I that spot is one where I had to pause it a few times. So I was trying, I'm like, what the fuck are they watching? And I was going to go back last night and I forgot to. So, and then I think that brings us up to um, the, the TV scene, man. I mean, well, a little a little bit before that, though, I do want to bring up, they go and get uh, food, and they're sitting there, you know, eating french fries and stuff, and Otis just kind of thinking about, um, like, what they've done, 
which, uh, believe it or not, they went to a McDonald's, but because um, they didn't want to possibly get sued by McDonald's later on while making this movie. If you notice, the bags are just plain white bags. The cups that they're drinking out of are just little styrofoam cups they poured all their Coke into and stuff. And uh, they're just sitting there eating McDonald's <laughs> in the McDonald's parking lot, too, um, which then segues into uh, Henry asking us about if he's ever killed anybody before. And he's like, so you tell me you haven't killed anybody? And he's like, no, I ain't saying I hadn't. I'm just saying I hadn't done it like that before, which one of the scenes I got cut out, which is right at that scene, too. In actuality, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis were kind of like a homosexual relationship, and it was going to be included in the movie. There's a deleted scene where like uh, Henry leans over, starts to kiss Otis, but it was so awkward between uh, Michael and Tom that they just they just couldn't do it, so they cut that out of the movie. Really? Yes. Yeah, that would be fucked up. I mean, yeah. And we were talking a little bit like towels. I mean, both of them are not attractive guys. It's not like you got the rock in there, you know, and, you know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. What's what's fu- what's funny to me is Otis's teeth in this movie are just as messed up as Henry Lee Lucas's in real life. And Henry in this movie has decent teeth that are just equivalent as like the real life Otis. <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. Like why does Otis have like the best of mouth between the two? Yeah. Well, and I had seen there's a, a movie called confessions of a serial killer. That's based off from all of this as well. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's just now showed up on voodoo. I saw it on VHS back in the day. And the, if I remember right, like that was the, the dude had like fucked up teeth and everything. And it was all based off from this. So I actually saw that before this, when I was going through my mad rental stage. So not a bad film. If anyone hasn't seen it, um, if you're looking for another serial killer film from the eighties based off the same shit, but I think it was like, they actually based it all in Texas and everything. Um, I, I did not know about the, uh, about the deleted scene like that. That's, mm-hmm. huh. That would totally change the whole tone yeah. of the film. I'm glad that they cut that out just for, I think it would have fucked the film up. Yeah, it would have a little bit. I mean, it would have made it a little bit more realistic and closer to the actual, like, yeah. true Henry in Otis. But, um, yeah, they cut that. It's actually a special feature on this. Um, it's also, I think, a special feature on the Dark Sky Blu-ray that came out years ago. Um, but, Yeah. I I always thought that that was interesting that they had that included. There's some other deleted scenes in the uh, movie, but that one's like the one that always has stuck out to me um, when it comes to that movie. Mm. Um, Thank you for that little bit of information. You're welcome. And what were were you about to say there, Sean, before I brought up the whole McDonald's thing? Oh, the TV scene. You had jumped. Okay, yeah, so TV we'll start right scene, here. That's right, you jump to that. You, you want UHF? You want 13-inch? You want 19-inch? You want color? You want black and white? That guy is, like, the worst actor in this whole film. Believe it or not, though, he was a legit back, like, alleyway, black market TV salesman that John McNaughton knew. Like, he was a legit dude. His job was to sell TVs out of a garage. Oh, I, like, that's... Legit. I forgot about that scene and I, we were watching it and like halfway through it, I turned into Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Kill him. Like I was, <laughs> I do that once in a while. Just yell, kill him. Like so bad. 
and he's such a dick to him too. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Le- yeah, he is. You know, like well, and Otis is like I. I would be the same way. I, I've sold television sets in my life, and it's like, well, show me what you got. Oh, well, I got this one. You know, Samsung. Blah blah blah. Well, how much is it? Thousand dollars. Well, I've got like two fifty. God damn it! Why didn't you tell me that right away? Like I, I. So I feel for the guy, but like I've never been like leave your two hundred fifty dollars yeah. and get the fuck out of Sam's Club. Please get out. Yeah, like, I've never done that, but. <laughs> The $50 one. The $50 one. You guys come in here, I show you this, I show you that, and you creeps got a lousy $50 to spend, you should have stopped me a long time ago. Take the $50 set and get the hell out, I'm a busy man. Well, we were really counting on a color set. What's the matter, you got shit in your ears? The black and white is $50, take it or leave it. Sorry we wasted your time, come on Otis. When Otis, when he kicks the TV in because it's not working, in yeah, 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 like his whole, and I like towels. Like he, House of a Thousand Corpses, like he's really, really good in that. Like very effective. And then this movie, like I was telling you, like earlier, like I just don't his acting on some of the scenes was just like. But I think Rooker's so good that it makes towels look like shit, which might be a good dynamic because of what they're playing and everything. Yeah. But yeah, when he kicks the TV, he's just like, well, I got to have a TV. Well, what the fuck do you kick it for that you drunk in mass? <laughs> you know? So, and we, um, we skipped over. There was a, um, the scene where he's like, well, I want to kill somebody. So they take him, he takes him out and they pull over and they wave down the first car. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Chicago or not. That's the same stretch of road where they filmed the Joker scene in Dark Knight where the, he comes mm-hmm. right. They're trying to transport supposedly, um, I don't remember yeah, who the it's under there. the uh, city, Whack, and like Joker's got like the RPG out of the uh, yeah. semi trailer or it whatever. Says laughter, yeah. but he put an S and it says slaughter now on the side of the thing and everything. It's yeah. the same spot. Like when I first time I went to Chicago, we we're driving. I'm like, this is why they filmed this. This and like I was like I was going nuts because there's a lot of movies that were filmed under there. But um, that stretch is the exact same one where they just looped it and they kept driving in circles to film the Dark Knight. So when you watch it, it's like yeah, you know, like 30 years before, but. It's kind of cool, cool location. If you've, if you ever go to Chicago, ask you know your, your cab driver to take you on Wacker Drive. Hmm. The guy that they shoot actually in that is the guy who is in charge of all the special effects and makeup in that movie. The guy they pull up, they wave down, and then they shoot him. Yeah, it's like the that's the that lamest was. kill in the whole thing. He just gets, hey, you guys got a little problem up here, and he just. Pulls a gun out and shoots him three times, and the guy like falls over awkwardly, and they get back in the car and drive off. And I'm like, "Well, shit," you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, "Otis, can you handle it?" Bang! Yeah, that, that's what I was talking about. Like, some of his <laughs> acting is just—they don't even check the body. Like, you, you, that guy could have had a no. million dollars in that car. They just drive off. So that's true. Did, uh, did you have anything else about the TV scene? Is there anything to do with that? or? Um, no, just uh, the one thing that was so um, effective in that scene is like when Henry gets pissed and he's like, I'll give you your 50 bucks. Don't give me story, you dumbass. Did I stutter? Give me the $50 and get out. I'll give you... And he grabs that soldering iron and just starts stabbing him in his hand, in the gut. That like 
sharp noise piercing like sound. Oh my gosh. Like when I first saw that, that scene just stuck with me like yeah. every time. It was like psycho. The, the one that got me was the TV over the head because that there's too. no way yeah. to do those old TVs, even that 13 inch black and white. You could kill someone with that just by throwing it at them. Cause I mean, I guarantee it weighed mm-hmm. 80 to 100 pounds. And you could see where like the glass and stuff, like it was just big enough for his head. If the dude moves, he's going to start getting cut off the glass off it. Um, yeah, yep. that, that was a, th- that's one of the rougher ones in the movie. Like uh, you actually see until you get to the home invasion scene, then it's like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, this, everything else just is, you know, pale compared to this. <laughs> So. I just love that scene. Like after um, they smash the TV over his head, and Henry's plug just like, in. "Otis, plug it yep. in." I love yep. that. Rooker's <laughs> got a few zingers through this. My, I think my favorite on yeah. my notes is the "fuck the bears." Hey, how about those bears? Fuck the bears. Okay. Because back in the eighties, the bears <laughs> was just, you know, the bears were winning championships and every like. It, it, I think it was. I think it's a homage almost to the fucking um, Ferris Bueller from the like year or two before it, you know, <laughs> it was winning the bears, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the fuck way he t- says that is like, it's like, have a good night. It's like, how about them bears? Oh, fuck the bears. Like he could give two shits about football. <laughs> and like, I may start using that when people start talking to me about football. I don't care what team they're talking to me about. Fuck the bears. <laughs> uh, but from then, they take the really nice TV, they take a camcorder, and uh, that's when they start recording. At first, they're like at home just dancing around, playing music, and then that's when later on you get that scene with um, Otis and uh, Henry recording the uh, bum getting attacked by those two people and the uh, whole explanation of modus operandi and how you don't kill a person with the same gun after you killed one person with it. Um, you don't stab them the same way. You use a different knife, etc. Um, then at that point, it leads up to the home invasion yeah, scene, that, um, which is probably the most disturbing thing in the entire that, movie. The bomb getting beat reminded me, I said I was going to go back to Clockwork Orange a few times. It feels like something that would be happening in the background of Clockwork Orange the the black and white of it and the way it's shot and like the it's humorous it's very very humorous because he's talking all this serious shit and then you realize that oh they're videoing it well why don't they do something about it and then the way that it's it looks like something that would have been shown on screen in clockwork orange that he would have been watching to try to desensitize him from violence if you know so yeah, there's a few things in this movie, like I said, that, you know, the that and we're coming up on the home invasion scene. I rate this home invasion scene up there with the first time I saw Clockwork Orange, like that home invasion scene is what you're thinking about the next day. You know, and it, it just mm-hmm. like I said, like, I think I text you. I'm, you're like, she watched the movie. Yep. I'm white right now from watching it. And that's how I felt like the next day after Clockwork Orange, um, the framing, timing and the tone of this home invasion scene. I mean, it's art, but it's violent. And like, like I said, like the timing, the way everything just happens right in a row. And then they, it goes right up to another level. As soon as that kid walks in the door, you're like, oh shit. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, and th- this was one that was heavily edited oh. too, because he grabs the girl's breasts after she's dead and all that stuff. And people were, you know, 
like a lot of the distributors and stuff were like, what the fuck? Why would you leave it? Well, because in real life he did have sex with dead people or said that they did. Supposedly. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. That scene, um, that after I watched that movie, I was like wondering to myself, like after that scene came up and I finished the whole movie, I was wondering, dear God, like, did I really just watch that? Um, that the scene for one, it like goes from, you know, for one being messed up, the fact that you're watching it at first, you're thinking it's like through the POV of the camera and it's like actually happening then and there. And you watch, you know, the mom and the dad getting killed and the kid getting killed. And then it zooms out and it's actually a recording that they had taken. They're watching and Henry and Osha sitting there, Otis with a beer in his hand, watching it. And, they get to the end of it and Otis pushes a button and starts rewinding it. And Henry's like, what are you doing? And Otis says, I'm rewinding. I want to watch it again. Like that right there was like, okay, yeah, these guys are really messed up at that point, especially if they're going to go back and watch it again. Yep. Like that just put on another level of messed up. Yeah. That scene is a really rough one to watch. So it's, yeah, it's shot so well and frame like like you said, like you're the whole time you're thinking that you're actually just watching it on the video camera and then they zoom out and you're watching it from the video camera that's on the VHS tape on the TV that they've stolen. So, yeah, well, and they got a video camera when they were killing the TV guy, like he has a warehouse full of yeah. shit that is probably all stolen and they stole that. And that's the first thing that they one of the first things they did with the VHS or the, the video recorder was to go do that and bring it on the killing with them, which later on it ends up getting broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh poor old Otis is mad about that. He's like, Oh man, you broke the camera. And he's like, well, it could be fixed. And he just like chucks the whole thing out the <laughs> car as it's driving. He's like, Oh, it could have been. Yeah, well, he's driving, driving down the street with it. He's hanging out the window with this old fashioned video camera videoing women that are walking and like doing Mm -hmm. like this creepy voiceover of it. Cat calls and stuff, too. Henry gets too close to the car and ends up taking the whole front of the camera off, which, you know, like (laughs) I I was laughing at that. It's like one of the only things I really laughed at through the whole movie. He's like all upset. And he's just like, I think Henry at that point is already just like, you can kind of tell he's getting sick of Otis a little bit. Yeah. What what cracks me up is like after that camera gets broken and they kind of get a little pissed at each other, Otis looks and goes, you want a beer? Yep. And Henry just stops the car and he's like, well, if you want a beer, go get a beer, Otis. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yep. Basically. Yeah. Well, and so, and then we, from this scene, Henry goes home and Becky is there and they're, I think this is maybe where they start talking about all the, the stuff they have in common and everything that I brought up earlier. And he's like, you want to go out and get a steak dinner? Like I've never heard it said like that before, but he has a new visa card, which is probably stolen and takes her out. And when he comes home, Otis is asleep drunk on the couch and he's watching the fucking videotape again. And I guess I like reading the scene and everything. I think that that is the the moment as Rooker is standing there looking at him drunk and he just kind of puts his arm out and hits, you know, stop on the tape or ejects the tape or whatever. I think he decides to kill Otis right there. 
is, you know, mm. I like the look on his face and everything, just the way that he does everything. I think that he kind of like, I'm going to have to do something about this because he's taken this to a new level where he could get us caught, you know, by leaving this tape on because true. You know, like it, it just rewatch the scene. And watch his mannerisms and stuff. I wouldn't doubt it if that's what, you know, the whole motivation of that scene is. Well, what I've always thought was what um, triggered him to finally kill Otis was, I mean, earlier on, Otis tries to look at Becky whenever uh, she's changing her shirt. Um, Also, he grabs her that one scene and kisses her and stuff. And Henry's like, don't do that, Otis. She's your sister. Touching up um, the dead person and everything, and he yells at him on camera and that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think just you know he's getting sick and tired of his perverted stuff, and then what I think makes him snap is right there at the end after um, he goes out after Otis walks in on uh, Henry and Becky making out, and uh, Becky's getting undressed, which is to allude, you know, like hey, they kind of have a thing. Like, they're about to have sex, and the next thing you know, um, Otis just interrupts it, and then at which point Henry goes out and he gets some smokes. That's where he bumps into the old lady and is like, what kind of dog is that? It's a Heinz. It's a Heinz 57. It's a mutt. 57 um, flavors. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, and um, goes out to the uh, store, and that's where you get the whole Bears uh, comment that you had there, Sean. But... That's when he comes back after getting those cigarettes and he finds Otis raping Becky. Just straight up, his hat has her against the ground and is raping her. And Henry comes in there and Otis and him start fighting. And I can't remember, is it Becky who has the comb or is it Henry? With the most, one of the worst prosthetic heads I've ever seen in the history of film. Right. It is pretty bad, but... I mean, it's just a quick shot, though. So, I mean, it's still, I mean, especially back in, like, VHS well, era, yeah, it was pretty it effective looked, still, I would say. It would have looked say. great back then. And then Waxwork had to go and, you know, immortalize it on their center labels of their new vinyl release, if you look. Like, the yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm like, seriously? The prosthetic head? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he gets stabbed, like, right in the eyeball. And then at which point... um He's running away, trying to get away, and he's, like, covering his eye and blood's gushing out. And that's when Henry just finishes him yeah. off and kills him. And then she's... And at that point, Becky's yeah, freaking out. she freaks out, out really bad. Because <laughs> she doesn't know. That's what they're, you know, Henry's been worried about is that she's going to find out. And I couldn't find out. I couldn't figure out if he was more worried about her finding out and not liking him because of it. Or, which, you know, and then Henry just drags the... He's like, I'll take care of this. Just calm down goes in the bathroom and instantly starts sawing on this body takes the head off in the like in the shower stall and everything and like good lord like he had the tools ready to go he knew this shit was going to be happening mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then at which point um becky and uh, henry they pack up their stuff and go and i think uh he just dumps Otis's body. Yeah. He manages bags, to like fit over that, like a bridge or something. He fits that big man, which uh, Tom Tolls is bigger than I am, and I'm six foot, and he fits him in like one or two suitcases, and then lugs that shit around. So, which is the you're kind of seeing what he will do with a body like that is like they're foreshadowing it, mm-hmm. and then him and Becky are driving and they talk, and um, they end up in a hotel room together, and 
you think that everything's going to be fine. And then he wakes up the next morning and he's all alone and gets in his car and drives off, which he's got his little bag of tools, I think is what's in that bag when he walks out. And the end of the movie is him pulling up along the side of the road and dropping another suitcase off along the side of the road that's got some blood and stuff on it, which is really somber way, I guess, to end the film. But I mean, that's where he's at. You know, I, I didn't really think he was going to take her yeah. with to go to the sisters with the horses and everything anyway, which that car's not making it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the scene where, you know, for a fact, like Becky's dead is when they're in the car heading to the hotel and Becky's like, I love you, Henry. And Henry's like, I guess I love you too. <laughs> like you just know at that point, like, yeah. oh yeah, she ain't making out of this movie a lot. Yeah, I didn't think which. Okay, so you're you're talking about getting into the real stuff. Did she make it in the reels? Like, or did they? No, okay. no. So in in real life, um, Becky, um, again, she was Otis's niece in real life instead of sister. She was only fifteen at the time. Um, Henry, of course, was so much older than her, but they had a relationship. And um, at one point, they they pretty much took her from, I think it was Jacksonville or Tallahassee, Florida, somewhere in Florida, and they went across country. Um, and eventually what ended up happening was Henry was staying with this lady. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, this older lady. And Becky was too. Well, Henry ended up murdering this older lady and also Becky. And he cut up Becky into pieces and buried her. I don't remember that. I've heard um, so much serial killer stuff. It's hard to keep them all straight. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that um, the worst thing you've ever heard? Like, and all of this action, the whole time that you're talking about all this stuff he's doing with this minor, all I can think about is that if that happened today, you know how like the the serial killers get a little bit of celebrity now when they catch him and stuff that would get him canceled. <laughs> They'd be, Cancel him. <laughs> yeah, just like Leatherface in the Netflix remake. You're canceled, yeah, bro. Exactly. Like one move. <laughs> but but um, before we get into the actual. Um, Henry Lee Lucas too. I do want to bring up, I just saw this recently for the first time and I actually really like it. I, I, I would give this, you know, it's not as good as the original. I mean, the original, you can't compare. Oh, it to you're it talking really. about the sequel, but oh. yeah, the sequel. I actually it's, like it. Have you, when's the last time you when watched it? Came it? Out. Okay. So I had never seen it before. I found it a while back. I paid like four bucks and I was like thinking, you know, maybe I should watch this and just see, you know, if it's actually decent. I only paid again, like three to five bucks for it used. And granted, it's supposed to be a continuation of this original film. Uh, the difference is, of course, it's different actors playing the role. John McNaughton is not involved. He kind of was. Um, but um, the stuff I read about it, like well, he, somebody that worked on the original film or something, or I, I'd have to look at it again. Like there was something up with it. So I can look it up while you're talking about it in the background. So the music is the, is by the same composer, Robert McNaughton. 
Um, he'd done the music in the original film, and he also done it in the sequel. That, I think, is like the only connection to the original movie other than in the sequel. They also mention, uh, Henry does, he's like, yeah, there was a girl I loved. Her name was Becky, and she was murdered. And I wanted to kill myself after so, that. What it says on the wiki page, the film was written, directed, and produced by Chuck Perello. Perello came across the first film when director John McNaughton gave him a copy during his tenure as a reporter for Screen International. Upon watching the film, Perello was impressed and resigned from Screen and took a publicist position and was responsible to help spread awareness of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer by booking it at various film festivals. Following that, Perillo continued to work alongside McNaughton and producer Steve Jones until 1994 when Perillo decided to take a more active role in movie making and made this movie. So kind not, he didn't have anything to do with the original, just he, he was helping getting the other one booked, I think, and probably wouldn't be as big of a film if it wasn't for all of those, you know, um, film festivals. Sorry. And and again, I think, yeah. Again, I think the only real connection is just the music's done by Robert McNaughton in this and also in the, the original only scene movie. I remember That's is the only the, he's helping the girl along the side of the road and he's holding that flare. That's in that movie, right? He's holding a flare that's lit and it's like melting over his hand. So that's at, that's at the end of the movie. He doesn't do it like to melt his hand. He does that at the end of the movie to set a house on fire. He he likes. Yeah, I couldn't remember, but like it's like melting over his hand, right? Like which normally would like hurt like hell or something. Maybe that's not the mm-hmm. same movie that I'm thinking of. Okay, if someone out no. there listening knows um, what movie I'm talking about, let us know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, in this one, like he meets a family, and apparently one of the guys is like working at this. Um, Porta John business, like where they rent out Porta John's to construction sites, stuff like that. But on the side, the guy is also an arsonist and he burns down buildings for this other dude to get money from the insurance company. And that's how they get paid. And Henry gets involved in that. And on top of that, too, the dude learns about Henry and his past a little bit. Is it but, better than American yeah. Psycho 2? I would have to say that yes. Poor Mila Kunis. Jesus. That was yeah. a train wreck. It was. Um, so I guess let's talk about the real Henry Lee Lucas. Uh, for starters, he did actually murder his mom. The real <clears throat> Henry Lee Lucas did. Um, his mom was a prostitute. Um, she did force Henry to watch him have sex have her watch her have sex with all these men. Um, also would force him to dress up and sometimes even would force Henry into being like a prostitute as well. Um, at a young age. So, uh, who were your parents? Can you talk about them? Uh, my parents was, uh, drunks and, uh, prostitutes and, uh, your mother was a prostitute? Yeah. So actually, you know, talking about them is like talking about uh, a nightmare. Really? You sound like you had some good memories of childhood, though. Well, I did with my brother, you know, when we played or something like that. 
we always had a good time. Uh, our lives, as far as growing up, is, uh, I guess you say, the way other child or other children grow up uh, was different. Were you abused or just... Uh... I was abused. I was uh, dressed as a girl for about seven years of my life. By who? By my mother. I had to wear a dress. I had to wear long hair. I was treated as a girl. She, she wanted a daughter, or what happened? That's my opinion. You know, I don't know why she did it, but that's that's what I feel. Where's your father? He's dead. He died in uh, 1951, uh, double pneumonia and being drunk. What was his name? Anderson. Anderson. Uh, Lucas. Lucas. And your mother's name? Viola. She died in '60. We got in a fight and she got killed. Okay, so that is, is that the only, uh, I was thinking that was the only killing that uh, you had? That is. That's the only one I know of, you know, that I've ever done. What happened? We got in a fight. Uh, I was drunk and she was, I guess, drinking quite heavily. She come home uh, where I was living at and she started beating me in the head with a broom handle. And that's the last I remember, you know. I just, uh, one out and she ended up dead. You know. How did she, how had she died? They say she died from a stab wound, you know, uh, somewhere in the neck, neck, so I don't know. I took responsibility for it because I knew I lived there and I knew she was there and she ended up dead so I was the only one that, you know, I could feel had done it. And, but as far as stabbing her with a knife, I don't remember nothing about that. I know if they say it happened, it must have happened. But, uh, I take responsibility. There was a lot of damage to his brain growing up, apparently. Um, there was, I want to say, something along the lines of like his um, frontal lobe. He had frontal lobe and temporal lobe yeah. damage. And according to scans, he had that sometime between the ages of 5 and 10, which would also kind of play later on in his life whenever he was confessing all these crimes because in his mind, there were bits and pieces that you know he knew were fact, but then he would fabricate stuff because in his mind he thought it was legit, like when he um, murdered Becky and all these others that he actually did. Because he was convicted, I think, of only 11 people yeah. when he claimed to have killed over 600 people. Um, which it's funny cause it started out like, you know how, um, fishermen, how they catch a fish and like, Oh, the fish was, I got this good size fish was this big. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time. That was kind of how Henry was. So when he was apprehended back in June of 1983, when he was actually put like through sentencing after he was found guilty, uh, he stood up in court and claimed that he had killed over a hundred women. And the judge at that point like freaked out, like, whoa, 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 what? And that was when he was escorted out of the courtroom, and that's when this whole thing began. And there was a special task force that the Rangers uh, put together, which was the Texas, um, I think they called it the Texas, um, the Texas Henry Lee Lucas Task Force yep. or something, Headed basically. Headed by Lefty from Texas Chainsaw 2 before he went looking for Leatherface, yep. Remember the Alamo, cowboy. 
but he basically um, would draw pictures of supposed victims, and he described how he would kill them in some cases to the police. Um, but the thing was, a lot of the times with that, when he would do these describing, you know, like the crime or anything like that, the police, the, the Texas Rangers would basically give him the case file or pieces yeah. of the case file and be like, here is like uh, this person, you know, do you remember what happened? And he would sit there and he would describe what happened. In some cases, there's even footage and the um, interviews they done where he would get some stuff mixed up and the range would be like, no, Henry, that that's, that's not what happened. Um, you, you try, try again, Henry, try to remember w- what happened. And they would basically spoon feed him to basically keep getting him to confess to more and more. Yep, and more they're giving more, him, which giving him event- rewards too. If he, yeah, like hamburgers yeah. and steak and milkshakes, let him have TV time. And dude was lo- which, how could he eat a steak with as little teeth oh, as no. he had? <laughs> we, we were watching that Netflix thing. I'm like, I don't know, because they were t- they brought that up. Like, they'd bring him in, like, treats and stuff. And I think dude was just so lonely yep. that he would have said anything to get anybody to talk to him. And so- Yeah, and on top of that, just, I mean, he was abused growing up. I mean, he had nobody, you know, to talk to or even care or show any affection yeah. for him. They kept doing that, essentially. And when you do any type of you know, interrogation, you usually will let the um, perpetrator talk. You you would maybe say a few things whatsoever, but you would just let them do the talking. Yep. You wouldn't spoon feed them like these rangers did. Um, I think it was up to 200 and some odd cases that he had claimed he had um, murdered or confessed to murdering these people. And what's sad about it today, too, is a lot of those cases, they're still unsolved. And on top of that, the uh, state and some of these uh, counties will not reopen the cases whatsoever because it's harder, And from my understanding, once you close a cold case to then reopen it, because then once you reopen it, for one, it messes with the credibility of the local department and on top of that too the evidence in some cases hard to prosecute huh? when they've tried blaming it on somebody else and then like, you're going to say that the evidence is so old and tampered with and shit that you know yeah it really hurt the, the yeah. i remember that it really really hurt the Texas Rangers on this where their oh, reputation yeah. because they were just you know hook line and sinker they're buying the, the lies and they're bringing in people from out, you know, like they'd call up, you, you know, like they would just call up someone in fucking Tennessee. Like, Hey, do you got any unsolved crimes? Well, he was through there um, apparently for three months and lived there for three months. Do you have any unsolved crimes? And they would have those guys come down and they're like, well, yeah, I had nine girls go missing in that three months through the entire state. And then they would, and he'd admit to all of them. They're all killed. Well, they could have been six of them killed in the same day in the same bus. And he was in, you know, He'd have fucking taken all all of it. Anything to get a milkshake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His favorite flavor, by the way, yeah, is strawberry. <laughs> that, that Netflix, uh, <laughs> I think it's called The Confession Killer. If you haven't seen it, really, really good yeah. for listeners. It is good. What also blew my mind, too, is when they would get him out of his jail cell and would go take him to uh, 
interrogate him and confess to more crimes, they'd let him walk around without yeah. handcuffs. He would literally just walk out, go straight to the interrogation room, sit there. He'd sip on some coffee, smoke a cigarette, um, sip on a milkshake, whatever it was they gave him. And they would just sit there and cut up like as if they were best friends and talking yeah. about this stuff. It, it just blows and my mind. They all kept saying, um, like, we really like him. <laughs> a couple yeah. times I was like, and I'm just like, what? Okay, yeah. So. Yeah, and um, the reason why, supposedly, he confessed to all of these crimes was, for one, it, while he was in prison, he apparently um, became a Christian, a born-again Christian, and he wanted to die, but because where he was a born again Christian, you know, he didn't believe in suicide because he was so upset about himself murdering Becky Powell that um, he said, you know, that was the only woman that ever loved me, um, blah, 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 and that, you know, I can't kill myself. So part of the reason why he was confessing to these crimes was so the state would then have to give the death penalty to him eventually. Yeah. Little did he know that the, um, every that was, one of those that he confessed to was just more time that he was going to end up spending in courtrooms. So he would have been yep. further, and been further ahead and, to just say, you know, I did one and then I killed a bunch more and not said anything. And they would have, he'd have been dead within a few years, but stupid. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yep. not a smart man. Which, um, going to Otis, um, Otis was, um, Henry's homosexual companion slash, um, supposed, um, partner in all this because at the time, Otis kind of got jealous of Henry because Henry was getting all of this attention and stuff in jail. And Otis was like, well, what, what, what can I do to, make myself, you know, be just as, you know, notorious as you. And there was recordings that came out where he was like, well, you could say you were a cannibal and you killed these people and ate them. And, um, you could also say, yeah, you were with me when this murder happened, that murder happened, which a lot of the murders, of course, fake, fictitious, um, confessions that he had. You see, uh, if you admitted that something you didn't do is wrong, you understand that? What I want you to do is just to tell the truth. If I'm involved in something, you tell the truth, you understand? Don't hold back because of me. And I'm not going to hold back because of you. How many people did you kill here? 150. 150? Yeah, between 150 and 160. Between 150 and 160? Yeah. By yourself? No, not by myself. Anyway. I was with you on some of them myself, wasn't I? If you want to admit to that, yes. Yeah. It's up to you. Like I said, I haven't involved you. Yeah. What I've done, what I admitted to, was what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know? I told him we'd leave you together, maybe, but... Um, about, about 50 or 60, you know. <laughs> There's a lot more than that, boy. Yeah. Mm. Just, uh, 
The only thing I'm asking. I killed over a hundred and something by myself. Well, that's, <laughs> I know that's a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, uh, when I asked for this call, yeah, is I felt that you were doing some things because of me, yeah. because of what you believe that I've done. But I don't want you to do that. I want you to only tell, if you've done something, I want you to tell what you've done. If I'm involved in it, then you tell them that. Because that's the only way that I'll know definitely yeah. uh, that you're going to be honest. Yeah. And uh, I don't hold anything against anybody. Yeah. If I've done something, then I've done it. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I... Becky meant more to me than anything part of my life. And I you, and her you and her both meant a lot to me. Well, I know. That's the uh, same way with this, uh, her. Because uh, when well, she I died, I died. Times, but, you know, that was natural, you know. Well, that's always natural. I mean, everybody that runs together. Or um, and one of the things that is most um, well known about Otis that is brought up. So John Walsh's son, Adam Walsh, um, Otis Tool is considered to possibly be the guy who murdered Adam Walsh. I don't know if you knew that or not. Who's Adam Walsh? John Walsh's Who's son. Do you remember uh, John no. Walsh? So John Walsh, he is best known as the creator of America's Most Wanted. Huh. Um he founded America's Most Wanted after his son, Adam Walsh, who was kidnapped from a local mall. Um, he was apparently playing in an arcade, and um, someone kidnapped him, took him miles away down the interstate, decapitated him, killed him, and dumped his body, and everything was found except for his head. Hmm. And his son was only, like, I think less than 10 years old. Um but that's kind of like one of the more notorious things they that they're think known Otis for. Did is that, or Otis admitted to it? They believe that Otis did it hmm. uh, because he was in Florida at the time when that crime did happen, and he's the only person that um, they can possibly link to um, <laughs> that death. I'm sorry, but my cat What's is really ticking me off. <laughs> I am with this one right here. This one right here. She won't stop messing with that. can't see it, but he, he's trying to just talk about these serial killers and everything, and this cat is just wrecking havoc on his house behind him, in front of him, on top of him. The cat's like, you know, fuck this shit. <laughs> she is. She's like, oh, you got this lovely maniac one sheet poster. I'm going to knock that off the wall. Oh, Friday 13th Part 8. I'm going to knock that off the wall. Torso. That will come down anyway. Bad man. Yeah, no. part eight. Like you and I have been talking about this. Like I've been doing reviews and shit, and I hit that part eight for my vinyl collection. I, I had to do eight days of fucking Friday the Thirteenth. I hit that part eight. I was just like, I don't even care anymore about life. This this part eight sucks so bad. I remember just, I'm having flashbacks to seeing it in the theater and everything. How bad it was. And you're just like, oh, it's got a special place in my heart. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. It's a terrible movie. Like, let's just call it what it is. Maybe we'll talk about part eight one oh day. God. <laughs> you, like, seriously, like, I would rate that as one of the worst movies. One of the worst um, theater-going experiences I've ever had in my whole life. I just walked out, like, just... I mean, I can like, see that, 
but at the same time, too, I, I like well, it. Yeah, and it's just oh, so bad. And you're like, oh, it's got a special place in my heart. And I'm like, no, no. I, I wouldn't care if, if I, you know, uh, no, there's nothing that could have saved that movie for me, man. They could have put ecstasy in my popcorn and I would have hated the movie. I would have went on a killing spree to, like, make sure that these people don't have to go through the rest of their lives with the trauma of watching this fucking thing. <laughs> and, like, I'm listening to it, and, like, someone actually, like, I um messaged me on, why do you own it if you hate the movie and don't like, I'm like, because I own the other seven, because I'm stupid. Like, you know, I'm a completionist. I've got all those, and I don't like part nine, but when it comes out, I'll get it, because I got all the other ones, because I like one through six, you know? Yeah. Or... For the most part, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, one last. It's okay. One last thing about Otis and. Um, in you. Oh my god! I did. I did. Uh, no. One last thing. Is it the? Um, is it? Wait, wait. About is Otis. it the I Heart New York one or whatever? No, I wish. I actually was gonna buy that one, but at the time I was uh, kind of tight on money and I was wanting to get it for this convention that was coming up to get it signed by Kane. And, um, I only spent, I think it was $45 on it. It's original one sheet. And it's the one where Jason's like over yeah. New York city. He's got his hand like on the skyscrapers and the yeah. knife coming over the, the usual in his I, face. I, 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 I actually bought, one. I bought the, the television cassette, not thinking about how much I hated it, but just because I wanted, he did it just so he could put that artwork out. And like, that's, uh, yeah. I bought it like, and then like going through the review thing of it as I'm writing it and I'm just like, oh, why did, what the fuck? What was I thinking? What a waste. Like just, <laughs> oh my God, it's such a horrible movie. And you're like talking about, well, can't, yeah. can't, I was going to get Kane to sign it. Kane probably is in your town right now. That motherfucker is like on South Park where they're talking about the Santa Clauses and shit. And, or what, what character is slash slashes at all these birthday parties, like, he, yeah, that motherfucker is in all 50 states right now signing autographs. I haven't been to a convention yet where he's not at it. I love the man, but good Lord. He's got doppelgangers going to all these. He's busy, man. <laughs> you like um, kind of giggled when I said that because you're like, he's fucking right. He's probably here right now signing autographs someplace, holding somebody's neck, yeah, shaking the shit out of him. Probably. Probably. Um, one last thing about Otis. So apparently before him and, uh, Henry Lee Lucas met Otis uh, would go to bars dressed as a woman and he would find people that were super, super drunk and he would basically walk out of the bar with them and then pretend like he's going to go home with them. And then he would rob them. You know how drunk you'd have to be. You have to be but, really drunk. I mean, if you ever seen a picture folks, of Otis folks, tool, stop, the real pause Otis, this, pull over like, your oh car, gosh. Google, a picture of these two guys. Number one, they're getting my vote for ugliest couple of all time. Like, yeah, I would have to be real. You'd have to drag me out of the bar. You know, I'd rather watch Friday the 13th part eight and go home with that. Yeah. So you're not going to take one last thing I do want to bring up. Sorry. No, I'm not. I'm I'm (laughs) trying to skip over that and get to like the last little bit here before we end this. (laughs) Anyway, um, so just some movies that I would recommend if you like movies that are, if not 100% 
about serial killers that are actually like factual or even fictitious. Um, there's a few that I would recommend. Do you have some you would you recommend, Sean? Okay. Number one, Monster. Have you oh, ever yeah. seen Monster? That's I my, mean, my it's wife's favorite serial one killer. of the <laughs> yeah. yeah, Eileen Warnos. Yeah. I can see that. Um, what are you trying to say? Monster is just <laughs> well because oh, okay. she's a woman. Eileen right, right. Warnos okay. is a woman. Right. You know? Oh, I can relate to her. That's what I'm getting she at. Well, actually, she Jeez. will talk you into trying to free Eileen if Eileen was like you know alive now, like yeah. alive. We watch we watch that stuff and she's Sounds she's just like, like a, no she should have no no Mm-mm. so big supporter. She, she reminds me of uh, Mike Nine from uh, I Hate God. He was a huge Charles Manson supporter. He's like Charlie should be freed. He didn't Dude murder from anybody. A System of a Down. The guitar player was as part of that too. And all the guys in Mushroom Head. There's a lot of musicians uh-huh. that thought Manson should have been put yep. free. I mean, fuck Mushroom Head has songs yep. about it. So. Yeah, um, but Monster is one I would definitely recommend. Um, another one that I would highly recommend too. It's kind of a slow burner though. The town that dreaded sundown. It's about That's the fatal killer. Dude, the dude was never oh. caught. Um, kind of like the um, Zodiac murder, except for the difference is um, the Zodiac. You know, he would call and stuff like that and leave. You know messages and clues this dude he would just pick off people randomly off lovers lanes yep. and well that was fictitious that was added for the movie the trombone <laughs> kill which always cracks me up though yep <laughs> and somebody just i just saw an enamel pin where it moves like there yeah that, that movie awesome. is really good and probably one of the most iconic one sheets if you were a kid in the 80s you always saw that motherfucker in the in the movie the video rental places and stuff such a cool like i don't know why i don't own i need to get one like the big box of it um mm-hmm. um another one i would recommend is deranged have you ever seen deranged the Sean? one with robert blossom in it where he's playing ed gein i don't know who i can't recall he was the old blossom, man that but, sold um, arnie cunningham christine Okay, I have yes. seen it. Yes, yes, that that mo- it's would really be good. Him. It's better that than would. the Kane Hodder mm-hmm. Ed Gein movie. Yeah, don't even get me started <laughs> on that. The only the only Kane Hodder movie where he plays a serial killer that's actually pretty decent is the BTK I, one. That one. There's he was, a movie okay. that I saw with Kane Hodder and Bill Mosley and their brothers driving around in an ambulance killing people. Have you ever seen it? Old thirty one or old thirty something, it. yes. Yeah, it was okay. Um, there is a another Ed Gein one starring Steve Railsback, I think. Um, the guy that played Manson in the original Helter Skelter, but that one was really good when I saw it. Of the Ed Gein ones I've seen, it's not as good as the uh, Francis Buckman, hmm. John Wayne Gacy film, but yeah, he's That's really good, good in that. Like. You know, I mean, for him only playing a few roles, you know, over the years, um, it's Francis Buckman from Pee Wee's Big Adventure plays John Wayne Gacy. And yeah, he was also yeah, he Teen was, Wolf, wasn't nobody he? Nobody remembers that. Just chubby. 
Yeah, Chubby. there's people that remember Tame Wolf. <laughs> <His name. laughs> yeah. Eats the jello out of the girl's shirt. I love Chubby. <laughs> yeah. 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 Forgot but, about um, that. Yeah, so he he did a really good job with the Gacy one. Of all of the serial killer movies, my favorite one is the Zodiac David Fincher film. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And they went and they shot a lot of the scenes. There's a scene where Gyllenhaal is uh, or however the fuck you say his name, like everyone's been saying his name wrong for years, but I'm it's Gyllenhaal to me. I don't give a I don't give a Jake fuck. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, he just yeah. I saw a thing okay. where he was pronouncing it and it's like completely off from what everybody thinks it is. But um he gets out of the car and he's like investigating it. I've been to that spot in San Francisco and it's right where the girls were looking out the window at the cabbie being killed and stuff. They filmed it all at the right spot. Um the first couple were killed in the in the film. He went to the same spot. It's a really cool film, um, but but it's you know because they never caught the Zodiac, you never really know you know how it's you know like it ends on such a weird note. So, I think that Ryan has to go take a poop. He just got up and ran off screen here really quick on me. No, there was there was two movies that Blair I went to grab real poop. quick that um No, no poop. No poop break until after recording. Um but there's two more that just kinda hit me. I was like, oh shoot, why didn't I think of these? Um so I've mentioned on before on this podcast uh the oh, Bolson. Jesus Christ. And <laughs> Well, so that one is not based on a real case. Well, loosely, super, super, super. <laughs> not loosely. yet. Now, if you want one, <laughs> not yet, not yet, exactly. Um, but there is the Untold Story, which I highly recommend. It's about the eight immortals murders that happened in um, Hong Kong. So, what happened was there was a family that owned this restaurant and this guy who uh, worked at the restaurant, I think, or he was somehow related to him. um, He um, apparently had let them borrow some money or something like to pay off some gambling debt or something like that. And essentially the dude never got his money. He got pissed and he murdered all eight family members of this restaurant. And there was a rumor, which, Again, it was a rumor. They didn't, you know, prove anything. It's an urban legend. So the legend is that in the restaurant, he apparently took all of his victims, chopped them up into pieces, which he did dispose of them by chopping them up and throwing them in like a bay nearby. Um, supposedly, though, he turned them into steamed and fried dumplings and fed them to people. That was the urban legend. Uh, he did not do that, though, however. It'd be a lot cooler um, if he did. But, right? <laughs> but that's one that just kind of hit my mind. Like, shoot, why didn't I think of that one? And it, they, they, these are what are called, of course, Cat 3, which is like above or at the equivalent of like NC-17 mm. and above in Hong Kong back in the 90s. Um, and then there is this one, which I've shown before to Sean, Dr. Lamb. Um, at the time, I hadn't seen Dr. Lamb, I think, but this one, it actually follows, a, I mean, really closely to a murder case that happened in Hong Kong as well called the Jars um, Murders. And what that was, there was this cab driver who would go and pick up these random women who 
he would then murder, take him back to his house, which he lived at home with his father, brother, sister, and I think her, like his sister's daughter, so his niece, all in this little tiny apartment. And he would hide the body in the place. And then after like they were all gone out working and stuff, because he worked night shift and they were working during the day, he would cut up their bodies and put pieces of their bodies in jars. And apparently in one portion of the case, there was one woman that he killed and he recorded um, having sex with her body and everything. And um, the police actually seeing the tape and stuff. There is like some humorous elements to it, like with the cops. It's kind of like a last house on the left where the cops are kind of like mm. the comic relief. Same thing with the untold story. Um, but yeah, it follows the actual case, like pretty damn close mm. to be honest. Yeah. The, um, the wife and I are avid fans of this stuff. Um, we live in Washington, obviously. So we, um, whenever you watch any of the Ted Bundy stuff, there's always that reporter going down this back alleyway. Like we found that back alleyway. I've seen Bundy's uh, childhood home. When we lived in the Midwest, we, um, we, I've actually been to the Ed Gein property. And while I was out taking pictures, the wife's got her little ghost box thing going in the car and everything in it. She actually picked up, um, we have screenshots of it where she was picking up uh, Gein's father's name, George and stuff on the, the box and everything while we were there. The um, hardware store where Ed Gein took his last victim from, when you go to Plainfield, Wisconsin now, it is still a hardware store. It is a um, hardware hank that's been completely gutted and you can like look in and stuff where, and um, it looks exactly the same as the pictures from the fifties when he dragged the body out the back and everything like it hasn't changed at all. I've been to the graveyards where he was robbing bodies from. Um, yeah. I've been to a couple of the Zodiac sites and then the, um, the co-ed killer, Ed Kemper, we drank in the bar where he went and was, uh, drinking with all the cops that were looking for him. <laughs> they're talking about how they're trying to catch the serial killer. And here he's sitting there laughing along with them, telling jokes. We uh, drank in that that's in uh, Santa Cruz, <laughs> which we went looking for his house. I have pictures of the house, but it's like in the background, we went to the wrong spot where he actually buried the heads of a couple of these girls in the yard. Um, looking up at his mother. Cause um, I knew a few, my wife did a Jeffrey Dahmer tour. Um, in Milwaukee when she was there for her bachelorette party. <laughs> so yeah, they, they take you around to all the bars okay. and stuff where he was picking up and like, yeah, it's very informative, I guess, but yeah, the Ed Gein stuff is fucked up. Like I, I had, had such a stomach problem while I was there. Like, um, yeah, I have a no trespassing sign someplace from there. I don't have one of the ones that says, you know, gain property and everything, but there was one land, so I grabbed it. But yeah, it's kind of a cool area if you've never been. If you're driving through the middle of Wisconsin and want something fun to do for an afternoon, go and because his grave is still there. He's buried in the main uh, cemetery in there along with his parents on each side. And his victims are buried 20 feet down the, down the walkway and everything. And actually one of the, one of the graves that he was caught grave robbing. You can stand on that grave and look at his, like it's, it's the row right in front of it, right there. 
he literally was digging up that grave and um they've his tombstone's been stolen a few times and i think it's completely gone they dropped it or whatever but there's a hole where people have been stealing dirt and everything but um we actually had rubbings of the my wife did um gravestone rubbings of a couple of the mother and the father and everything and we've got a couple of the victims one of the victims has got a really cool headstone so we did that one while we were there being morbid as fuck but yeah cool cool day out of minnesota it was about a you know four hour drive there four hours back and yeah we had a picnic and you know walked through the cemetery holding hands it was a very romantic day Your Thanks. face, you're just like, I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but okay. <laughs> um, so one last one I want to bring up as well. Um, I watched this for the second time not too long ago. Uh, the Killing of America. Um, it was put out by Severin a while back. So I've got the DVD version. There is a Blu-ray version. I bought this on DVD because it was only three bucks. One of their sales. Why not? Um yeah, it was a clear itself because they're getting rid of like all their DVDs. They're just strictly Good going for blue right now. Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you've ever seen movies like Faces of Death or um, those like Mondo style movies, this is kind of in that same vein. But there is uh, scenes like where, for example. They're interviewing Ed Kemper, uh, Charles Manson, um, things like the Ohio, um, the Ohio State shootings that happened like back during like the Vietnam protest era, um, and then there's like stuff like legit crimes that are being recorded. Like there's one that I'll never forget. This guy, he got pissed at someone for some reason, and he wired this wire around the dude's neck. And the wire ran all the way to the trigger of a shotgun that he was holding at the back of the dude's head. And basically, it was set to where if either he were to fall over dead, the wire would then pull the trigger, blow the dude's head off in front of him. Or if the dude were to try to run off, boom, it'd blow his head off. Hmm. And it was like a standoff with police for like days. Um. But he didn't kill him, thank God. But, I mean, it was just stuff like that. And then there's actual, like, autopsy footage, all that nasty stuff. So, if you have a weak stomach, I would not watch this. But if you have a strong stomach and think you can tolerate it, I'd recommend it. Yeah, that, um, Faces of Death, man, we used to have those at the video store I worked at. And I never rented it to anyone that could look me in the eye. Um we had an adult section in the back and those guys were prouder, you know, come on, here you go. You know, slap the porn down on the counter with kids in line behind them, you know, <laughs> but the faces of death people could never, <laughs> like, I remember that cause we didn't rent them very often, but when they did, the people could never look you in the eye. So yeah. Dude, that yep. cat is a fucking terror. She is. Anyway, do you have any, um, uh closing remarks or anything else um so henry like i would give this like a really i'd give henry like a four out of five it's a strong movie um i don't know if it i was reading about it like all the you know people talking about how important of a film and stuff it is i I guess i see it but i don't totally agree with it 
Um, I'm glad that it came out, came out right in the middle of that giant sequel boom in the late eighties where nothing original was coming out and it was just becoming stale. So like by what was it like 91, like everything was dead at the box office. They couldn't release anything and it was worth a damn until 96 when scream hit finally. So, I mean, I'm glad that it, you know, it's finally found its audience and stuff because there, it is a really good movie, but it's not something that I haven't watched it in 10 years. I don't think so. When you said it, I was just like, fuck, I got to watch that again. So, yeah. Yeah. This is one that I still revisit it to this day. Um, Especially now, like with this Arrow 4K set, I mean, it comes with a 50 minute documentary on behind the scenes of the movie, um, appreciation of the movie itself from uh, the UK. It's even got like Joe Bob Briggs talking about it. So my question is like, you're Um, saying that you revisited it a lot. Why? I think it's just part of it is just, I guess the actual tone of the movie. Um, It's kind of like chainsaw in a way for me. Like you watch chainsaw and you just, there's just so much like crazy information about the movie and stuff and all the stories you've heard for years. And then, like something like this edition comes out and it's got all like these special features and stuff. And I'm, I'm a huge sucker for special features and extras. Um, if it's something that interests me at all, like when it comes to these special features, like I'll sit and I will spend like a day watching extra. I don't have time to do it anymore. Like, like I'm, you know, I, I'm that big of a nerd. I I'm, guess, I'm more of a, um, director's cut nerd. Like I, I want like the full version of the movie if possible. So, um. yeah, well, this has definitely got it. Um, the one thing too, I forgot to mention that was really cool about this, um, edition other than of course, like most of them, they come with a little book about the booklet. movie and the they come with the poster. The best. Now this it, one, this one comes with a really cool booklet. This booklet has all the original oh. storyboards for the movie. So you can literally look through and watch the whole movie, like not watch, but you can look through, look at the whole pictures and everything. And it shows scene by scene of everything in the movie, like these storyboards that were original storyboards hmm. for the movie. Cool. Yeah. I love those arrow booklets, so, man. Like I get so movies. bummed when I buy a movie from arrow and it's like not first generation that doesn't have the booklets. So um, we didn't talk about the waxwork release, which I wanted to pick take a moment we, we did briefly but um yeah waxwork was it t- two years ago last year part of the uh, i have a sub edition um it's been out in the last two years so yeah i've got the sub edition i think it was part of the 2019 uh sub and that sub got pushed back like some releases did to like 2020 because this one came out in like early 2020 because i remember getting this one and then right around the same time, too, getting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. 2. So they, they've if I'm not pressed that one time with two different colors. Mine is like a, it's got like a clear blob of red in the middle of it. And then there's one that's like a blood smear that has the pool of blood, too. Um, sounds excellent. The artwork was done by Rich Kelly. And I love that it's like like a VHS that you have paused uh, yeah, like yeah, killer color artwork on it. Um, except for the center labels, like we talked about earlier, the prosthetic head. But 
yeah, the murder scene and everything. There's some really cool artwork with this one and the music on it. I really, really like the original score. I do not like the, um, the songs, the songs like kill it for me a little bit. Are you talking about like yeah. the actual like music yeah, the, that is in the score movie? and soundtrack? I like the score, the soundtrack, not so much. The songs are just generic. You know, we had $110,000. We're spending $3 on a budget for music and then they recorded everything themselves. But yeah, it's yeah. a cool release. Um, so glad to see that you have it as well. I'm sure, you know, you being the big fan, I'm sure you're spinning that mm-hmm. in your car, your old green piece of shit you drive around. Okay, it's blue, and it's not a piece of shit. (laughs) Oh my god. Alright, so I think we can wrap this up. Yep. Until next time. Come on, honey. I ain't asking you to wash the windows or nothing. I just want a beer. Come on, bring your poor old brother a beer, will you?